Hello and welcome to the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. I'm Mike Parsons, I'm the CEO of Qualitans and we are well on the way with rapid prototyping. And today we're going to talk about some important uh, thoughts on how to actually do rapid prototype. And the crazy thing is that there is a really distinct pattern to conducting a sprint and to prototyping and there's a real journey to it many points of which can trip you up, let me tell you. And um, one of the key ways to get through all of that is having the right team. So today we're going to dig into rapid prototyping and how to do it so that you can be on your way to building a great product. Okay, Uh, the rapid prototyping journey, I mean, it is ridiculous. It, It sort of mirrors the classic hero's journey. Starts off in such a good way uh, with lots of excitement. You're prototyping. Maybe you got some great colleagues and creative people with you. And you're testing. And then all of a sudden, at some point in this journey, you'll f- be confronted with the user saying, you know what? I just don't like the prototype. I don't think the product idea is any good. And everybody in the team is going to look at each other and go, ugh. Now, for first timers, this feedback uh, can be pretty confronting, you know, like sitting with customers and having them say, you know what, I'm not into this at all. Uh, I don't think this helps me. It's really confronting and it's a bit of a shock. And what I notice is that uh, the idea of the customer has kind of become quite abstract uh, for large organizations. And so when they're actually confronted, face-to-face, person-to-person with a with a user, with a customer saying, ah, this doesn't work for me, I don't like the idea or whatever, it's like, oh, it's kind of uncomfortable. But it's this is the moment where you can choose to embrace the feedback and to work with it and to start to discover what it takes to delight them. And um, it's really important that, if you're rapid prototyping, remember that, you know, you would want to have three or four sprints in one day. So uh, you want to do it really close together. And I'm going to talk a lot about why that matters so much. But you don't just want to do one test with a user and then wrap up for the day. Uh, this sort of compounds. So what would be perfect is to do a whole series, like just have an epic day testing with users and, you know, you're going to learn a ton. But the key to that learning is embracing that feedback, particularly when either it's not clear or they just don't like it. Uh, Because once you make the turn and start to discover what they do like and how it should work and why it should work in that way, that's when you start to move into this process of validation. And that validation will start you on a long journey. Now, the length of that journey is weeks and months. Like don't just think because you have one or two days of good prototyping with your users that you're done. Um, I mean, I'm working on a product right now that we've been doing for over three months and we are still, still learning new things and we are one week from today we will be launching and we're still learning new things. So please remember that learning is a constant Now, often um, what will happen when you're in a rapid prototyping sprint, let's say for one, maybe two days in a row, at the beginning, it's really 
all about learning and then you'll kind of shift more into what I call refining mode. So this is another distinct pattern to how we do it. One, embracing that feedback that I was talking about. But two, knowing that you will, if you're doing the right learning, you'll get to a moment where you've actually like, hey, I'm really confident they like this feature or they like this product or service. Um, And then what you would do is you would move into what we call the refining mode because what you need to do is tie up some of the loose ends about some of the maybe the entry points in the user experience, you know, onboarding being a classic one or, you know, completing an experience, helping them move into that advocacy part and sharing with others. But I want to give you this next idea. It's really one part learning followed by one part refining. And if you do the learning, then refining, you'll, you'll feel like a real level of satisfaction that you, you know, went in, you learned a ton, found the things that worked, you validated those and you refined them up. So they might be ready to, to brief into a, a UX person to do wireframes, maybe even straight to a designer or developer. The the important point here is make sure there's learning and refining going together. Now, the next thing I want to make sure that we talk about is this idea of the rate of progress. It is essential that you minimize the time between testing. The longer, the bigger the gap between user testing with rapid prototyping, the harder it is to remember what you learned last time and the harder it is to discern the patterns in the feedback. If you test all day and do 20 tests and every single one uh, involved a user where they gave feedback, the pattern, I mean, you hopefully have worked it out by that point that you're like, wow, they hate this, they love this, we need to fix this. But if you're particularly if you've got days and weeks between two different uh, rapid prototyping tests, you're going to really struggle with the um, decoding of the pattern because you're just like, oh, what did they say last week? I can't remember. You know, it's just too much uh, of, a, of a gap and too much memory loss. So make sure you do your uh, rapid prototyping as close together as possible. And the thing that bridges each rapid prototyping test is the following question. What did we learn and what are we going to do next? This orientates you to write quickly. What did we learn? What was working? Okay, how might we put that into the next test? How do we take it one one step further? This is really important because if you do this, you'll get incredible velocity. You'll make a lot of progress and it'll be really, really worthwhile. Um, So what did you learn and what are we doing next? Now, The last thing I want to touch on is how to set up um, a bunch of people um, and how this is really important to rapid prototyping. We've talked earlier in this series about all the different types of prototyping. We've talked about creating direct response, which is really important. So I'm assuming you've kind of got this now deep into your mind. And now we've started to talk about these kind of more meta ideas, admittedly, about how to do this all so well the rate of progress and making sure you're asking that question of what do we learn and what are we going to do next? So now I'm going to kind of wrap up with how I would structure uh, a team of people in a rapid prototyping sprint. And there's lots of good books on doing sprints and so forth, but I'm going to give you my go-to formula. And of course, you know, 
we're often uh, tweaking this depending on the project or maybe some time and availability constraints. But in a perfect world, this is what I would do. I would build out from the, the sprint. So a sprint is going to be like a one-hour session where you've got prototypes, you've got real users, real customers to come and test them. You're going to give them tasks. They're going to give feedback. And within that sprint, you want to look at doing six really good tests in a one-hour sprint. If you only test once or twice, I would be really concerned about the productivity. I think there would be too much talking and not enough doing. And generally speaking, across a day, I would look to do four sprints of one hour. And the great thing is that means you've got four sprints. Um, you know, you're easily going to work walk out of there with 20 uh, tests completed, hopefully a lot closer to 40 or 50. But that is a huge opportunity uh, to learn. So you've got four sprints a day, each sprint 60 minutes, try and do six tests per sprint. And in between those sprints, what you want to do is uh, create time for uh, reflection and preparation. So I definitely want at least uh, 20 minutes before the next sprint just to get things ready, just discuss things with uh, my colleagues. Now, in a perfect world, I would actually do this for two days in a row. So that would mean uh, if you're doing four sprints a day, over the two days you've got eight sprints you're going to get close to 100 tests done. The the path to take, the the winning product or service will be so screamingly obvious at this point, it'll be a slam dunk. Um, So that would be my my advice. I know some people do sprints uh, for five days and whatnot. I, I like to go deep and intense and just go really in the matrix, as they say, and then um, that tends to be – not only really good for the, for the rate of learning. The other weird thing from a practical point of view, it's very hard to get a team off-site for two days. Um, three days is impossible. But I do think it is good to get away and to really bunker in for two days and just go deep in learning with customers. And my last thought here is on the teams. Um, you know, it's generally good to have at least two teams working on the same uh, user experience, same product. Um And I would always, as a rule, go no more than six people per team. Um, The reason for this is that once you get over six, you get this little thing which we call the bystander effect, whereas there's too many people, so people start just standing to the side, people start checking their mail, Um, not a good look, bad vibe, just bad all round, and we don't want to waste their time either. So I would always say, um, look, if you can do it with five, I think that's perfect. Um, Six works, never go over six for the reasons that that I mentioned. So there you got it. There's some real stuff in there uh, about understanding the journey of rapid prototyping. More than anything, uh, I hope that I have helped you understand it's all about embracing that feedback, good, bad, or ugly, and make sure that you're learning, refining, and working with these small teams and going in a really lean, agile, fast way. And if you do that, I think you'll uh, you'll understand this pattern that I've talked about with rapid prototyping and you'll be on your way to creating a great product or service. Now, don't forget, uh, as always, uh, if you are interested in rapid prototyping or perhaps design thinking as well, we've got masterclasses 
that are all free for you to use. So you can just go over to bottomup.io and you can jump in there. You can download all the slides and the templates and we go into even more detail than this. All right. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bottom Up Skills Podcast.